0: Obviously, biggest issue mostly is then when it comes then to actually doing something that we just make sure that we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. Of. And I think that's also a concern for citizen developers, that they need to make sure that they're not building something that might already be in, in place somewhere else.
1: Welcome to The Amazing Apps Show. For microsoft business applications creators who want to make amazing agile dynamics 365 and power platform applications that everyone will love welcome to amazing applications episode 121 i'm neil benson and i'm delighted you could join me for another episode welcome i'm recording this on the 17th of june Scottish Summit took place last weekend, just a few days ago, and I'm seeing all sorts of wonderful pictures all over social media on LinkedIn and Twitter. We've had some amazing guests on the show recently who were speakers at Scottish Summit, and I'm just gutted that I didn't get to meet them in person. I'm gutted that I couldn't make it this year. I did send 100 customary Lego minifigures in my place, and I was delighted to see so many photographs of those little guys complete with their kilts at the show. And I just wanted to let you know, if you want to use coupon code SS22, you can get a 20% discount on any of my courses. That's a special offer for the Scottish Summit. So visit customary.academy and find a course. Use coupon code SS22, you get a 20% discount. I'm going to hold that coupon code open for a few more days. So if you're listening to this show shortly after it was published, you should be able to use that coupon code. 40% 40% of the remaining fees will be donated to the Rock Trust, which is the Scottish Summit's charity, to combat homelessness. Speaking of homelessness, I should be back in my home, where my studio is, in about four weeks, maybe the end of July. The builders are busy restoring our house since it flooded at the end of February and the new floor has just been laid. It looks great. So hopefully there's not too long to go now. In the last episode with Himish Shield, I was asking him if he knew any customers where there were a lot of citizen developers building power platform apps. And neither Hamish nor I know of any big organizations with lots of citizen developers. But luck would have it. Our guest today is Renee Motery. He's a power platform technical lead at WPP. WPP is a global advertising and marketing services company with over 100,000 employees. And hundreds of them are citizen developers. We're going to find out from Renee what it's like trying to manage 10 Microsoft 365 tenants with hundreds of environments and hundreds of applications. You can catch the transcript and Renee's contact information at amazingapps.show121. Here's Renee Moderi. Welcome to Amazing Applications, Renee Modery. It's fantastic to have you on the show. A very warm welcome to you.
0: Yeah, thank you very much. Excited to be here. Uh, you're joining us from Singapore today. How's the weather in Singapore? It is hot and sunny today. It's currently a very dry season, a very hot season, so um, yeah, not complaining about it. Very good, happy about it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's supposed to be the same here in Brisbane. We're heading into the winter, but we've had a torrential amount of rain recently, so I'm glad to see some sunshine today as well. I wonder if you can start just with an easy question. Tell us what you had for breakfast this morning.
0: I would say actually nothing much yet. I had half a cup of coffee and that's about it. I'm not really a morning person when it comes to eating something. So it might have sometimes be a very small snack, but that's about it. I usually only start basically eating something around twelve then the uh, lunch. So that's usually my first meal.
1: Oh, are you a a late sleeper? You like to work late in the evening and the Uh, afternoon as well?
0: Yeah, that's now the new thing also, because I switched roles in the company. I'm also working a bit late sometimes, or regularly, um, because I've got colleagues in the UK I work with, that also means that my whole schedule is moving a bit around, Yeah, so that also involves um, basically why I don't have too much breakfast.
1: Okay, just another introductory question then, a nice easy one. What's your favorite Microsoft application?
0: Uh, easy is hard to say. Then <laughs> there's a range of them. I mean, um, I would say actually, it is probably Teams by now. As much as I like to complain about a lot of the features that are lacking or not good enough or so, but obviously that's part of the love for it also because I love using it for my basically my daily work with my colleagues. I mean, the things that I'm doing in there on a daily basis are things that I've done previously, partially in many different locations and such. And it just brings basically a lot of my daily work into one central place. And yeah, that's why I love it as much as I also hate the lack of some things, but yeah.
1: (laughs) I couldn't promise that I love Teams, but I would give it an award for the most improved application in the last couple of years. It's definitely come a long (laughs) way. your experience of it, you know, you work in a massive global organization. You probably have a very different Teams experience to well, you know, I work at a company with one or two people, so uh, yeah, it's probably a very yeah. different scale. Tell us about how you got started with business
0: applications. So I originally started actually with SharePoint. So my background is mainly SharePoint. I started with SharePoint in 2007, and that basically went on until you could say this year still. So that obviously expanded over time, looking at a lot of other things. But it also included, then, for example, looking at what SharePoint had built in in terms of forms, so InfoPath, then, and also workflows. Oh. And uh, with the move to the cloud, that then also meant basically thinking, oh, uh, Microsoft's gonna sort of retire InfoPath. They said uh, InfoPath is dead, they're not gonna improve it anymore, and uh, the workflows are also something that they will basically replace because the uh, workflow technology wasn't good enough, basically, to be run on a huge scale. So that's basically then when uh, they suddenly then announced, okay, here's power apps. And I think, I can't remember whether that was in 2016, but I remember I started looking at it in 2016 because I was basically curious, hey, there's that successor to InfoPath or replacement or what is it basically? But yeah, there's power apps Basically, I started to look at it and see what I can do with it and start to present about it here in Singapore. So yeah, that's how I got interested in Power Apps and Power Automate, I can't remember, but it also basically came along then with it. So right. those two were actually the main purpose why I looked at the Power Platform overall then. Everything else that came or was around, for example, was either something I looked at a bit over time or not even at all. So, for example, PVA, yeah, I looked into it a bit over time then. Power BI, I use it sometimes a bit, but good enough for my work, but yeah, not good enough to do something more professional. The whole uh, let's call it the whole dynamics aspect of the power platform. I, for example, had no idea about it. I learned more about it through Microsoft exams, but still I never really used it. Just I don't know, there was never any opportunities in the companies that I worked for. So yeah, that's the bit of the eclectic part, basically. Over time, it just meant I started using, for example, again, Power Apps and uh Power Automate regularly uh, from time to time. And over time, they're also looking at it more and more in terms of uh, not just basically how do I build my own stuff, but also from an organizational point of view, how can we then um, manage and govern it effectively? Because other people obviously also started to use it and my roles in the company then also Well, moved a bit in that direction, it became clearer, I should be the guy to start looking at making sure that everybody can do what they can do, but should also consider that it's not going out of the company's control, basically.
1: So you're at WPP, who I think of as a global advertising services company. When I lived in the UK, Martin Sorrell was a very famous businessman there. He's the founder of WPP. Can you tell us a little bit about the organization, for those who aren't familiar, yep. and about your, your role there, too? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so WPP is an extremely large company um, consisting of, a, I don't know how many operating companies. Um, so there's a lot of them. So overall, within WPP, we've got around 100,000 employees. That's the last number I know about. and. Uh, I don't even know how many companies there are. In technical terms, actually, we had a huge number of tenants, of sixty-five tenants, and um, we narrowed it down now to ten tenants that we actually work with. Um, and even ten is obviously a large number, but uh, yeah, it's more manageable than what we had before. So there are a lot of migrations together with Microsoft in recent, um, yeah, basically in the past one one and a half years, I think or so or longer. Can't remember when that started, but yeah, um, to narrow it down. An organizational point of view, as mentioned, so WB- WPP is sort of the layer at the top or overarching, but then there are all the operating companies that also then operate um, to a good extent, obviously, and by themselves. And the operating companies might be, again, consisting of, for example, multiple agencies, all, again, in the advertisement and marketing space. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of things happening. And my role was initially within one of those operating companies within Bam, where I was initially then the, comes a long job title, APAC Productivity and Collaboration Tools Project Manager. So basically, you could say the guy working with Office D5 in Asia Pacific. So anybody in APAC, so the IT managers mostly then or other stakeholders who wanted to run a Office 365-related project or some initiative, they were basically reaching them out to me. I was in the main contact to coordinate, to guide, to yeah, basically make sure that whatever needs to get done in the region with Office 365 gets done properly, but also from a global point of view, then anything that gets done globally then gets sort of managed or coordinated or communicated through me then here in the region. Right And uh, Office 365 obviously includes then something called the Power Platform a bit then. So that then came along with it as well as my job. And because I was the one with the most experience, you could say, then with the Power Platform, that also meant then that I wasn't the one who was starting, for example, to set up the internal COE. That was mostly, again, just deploying right. the technical toolkit from Microsoft but also then starting to establish a small community internally for basically app makers, flow makers. Because I did that then over time, that also meant that at some point last year, for example, WP overall said, hey, um, we're doing a big IT transformation and we also want to actually get more out of the Power Platform because uh, there's a lot that can be done with it, but that isn't done right now. And obviously, we want to encourage our staff to do more with it. There's a lot of potential there. But you also obviously want to ensure that they are doing it sort of the right way and that they get the right support that they need. So last year, WPP started an overall project across really all of WPP. So you could say the scope is all the 10 tenants. Looking at basically establishing a power platform team, but also starting to look at, for example, deploying the COE into those tenants, making sure then that each tenant has the COE deployed, and uh, starting to prepare things, organize things. Because until then, basically, group M did something, the others well didn't because they didn't have the manpower to do something, or the time, right. or other reasons, basically, and yeah. So that meant we started last year and officially then the team started 1st of April this year. So now I'm officially part of the WPP platform team as Power Platform Technical Lead. And like I mentioned, our goal is now making sure that whatever is in place gets better managed overall. But also yeah. then making sure that those people that want to do something or already do si- doing something get the right support so that they can then really... I don't know, build off some apps, flows, or whatever else they want to do. So that's the short summary, which is obviously quite a <laughs> hard story already. Yeah.
1: I'm really curious. I've been debating with other MVPs about what percentage of applications are really being built by citizen developers, what Microsoft calls citizen developers. So <coughs> these are people outside of technology. Maybe they're business analysts, or or team leaders, or managers, or uh, uh, administrators within a, a non uh, technical team versus the number of professionally built apps by technology teams, you're working in IT. What's it like at
0: WPP? So right now, I would say actually a lot of it gets done still by citizen developers, even though some of them might be actually coming from more technical teams even. Just due to the nature of our business, we've got some more technical teams, which are not IT, you could say. So they are, for example, data-driven teams who know, oh, we need to they collect simply said a lot of data they transform it they do stuff with it for analysts and etc and then they might say oh we need something that helps us to capture some input or so in a smart way or yeah other things basically whether they say okay we wanna need we need to put a again basically a power app on top or flow that helps us with something or maybe we need to look at power automate desktop because there's something else that needs to be done automatically so that's actually the majority We also actually have a small professional development team, you could say, then for anything where it's clear, the business wants to do something, they don't have the knowledge or the manpower to do it, they don't have the time to do it, but really they know they want to do something. And we've got a team that would then evaluate, can it be done in the Power Platform? Does it make sense? How much effort would be required to do it? And then obviously going through all the different approval stages, does IT security have any concerns? Are there does enterprise right. architecture have maybe anything else where they say this could be a better option outside or so? Those kind of things, basically. But yeah, we've got that uh, professional team then helping with anything bigger or where there's just not enough manpower available right now to do yeah. it. In our experience, this is working quite well so far. Obviously, biggest uh, issue mostly is then when it comes then to actually doing something that we just make sure that we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. Of. And I think that's also a concern for citizen developers that they... Need to make sure that they're not building something that might already be in in place somewhere else. And I think um, yeah, that's why basically our team is here to support people, not just in telling them, yeah, you do whatever you want, but also tell them, oh, you shouldn't do a certain thing maybe because there's a better solution available that's not part of the power platform. Maybe you already have a license, or maybe you're right. rebuilding something that's in Office 365 and can be done with SharePoint directly, or something like that. Basically, yeah, but yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so uh, so that's a great point you mentioned about trying to build reusable components, reusable patterns and practices, but also how do you discover those as a citizen developer or as any kind of developer? How do you know Mm -hmm. in a large organization what's already been built and what you might be able to just pick up and reuse? So I'm really glad your team exists to to bring that kind of central team and and base of knowledge and share it out. I was working at a local government department here and it's a state department and it's relatively small and they've only got one other Dynamics 365 implementation, but we had no visibility of it. We had no idea what yep. they'd done, no idea if there's anything that we could reuse. And I think that's critical as organizations begin to adopt and embrace the power platform. So any other challenges that you're facing, trying to operate at the scale that the WPP yep. is in terms of governance and, and user roles and uh, <laughs> I'd be fascinated to what, what other headaches you're seeing in a global organization? <laughs>
0: I mean, the big challenge is obviously that a lot of the things that you should usually have put in place aren't put in place right now. And just because of the scope of what we're talking about, especially if we're talking about ten tenants or not just one, that means then we need to always uh, do things often, you could say ten times and or like right. really one tenant would be nice. That's obviously a future story. It might not even be possible or so. But yeah, uh, that's a separate team, separate story. I focus on what we have and see that we do the best with it. And really is also that, as mentioned, basically, power platform was, you could say there, but usually not governed, not managed. And um, very often we are basically just defining things now for the very first time. I mean, just thinking about things like environment strategies. Previously, there was not really a proper environment strategy in place. I mean, people could just create something previously and... Um, that might have meant, yeah, they just do stuff without knowing what the implications are. And suddenly you've got a whole range of different environments that uh, might have a specific purpose or might be just laying bare, maybe with a flow in there, maybe with nothing. So yeah, challenge is really that we're in a way starting from scratch and have got a whole lot of things to do. But it's also an opportunity in a way, obviously, because it means, yes, we're starting to a good amount from scratch. There's a whole lot of things that we can now actually do. Yes, it requires we also have to do sort of a it's called a cleanup afterwards so there's a whole lot of apps and flows obviously in the default environment that we don't want to have <laughs> in the default environment but okay um a lot of organizations probably started that way they start in a default environment everybody can go there put yes. their stuff and after a few months or years then they realize no we need to do better basically that's basically what we are mostly working on right now just making sure that those kind of things are again, properly defined, properly put in place, but also at the same time that, again, we're not trying to stifle innovation or um, our makers opportunity. we're not trying to restrict them in doing what they're doing right now, but just making sure that whatever they're doing is still within the corporate, you could say, guidelines. Right. Yeah.
1: Do you get a lot of pushback from your, your makers? You're the center of excellence, mm-hmm. you're helping put in place guardrails and, mm-hmm. and standards. Do you ever get resistance because you're seen as maybe putting up impediments and yep. restricting people's ability to
0: innovate? Actually, no, because our approach is not really trying to restrict people too much. And I mean, the restrictions that we're talking about, we're not just coming and say, oh, you're not allowed to use a certain connector anymore, but rather say, this connector is, we don't we plan to not use it in the default environment anymore, but rather, if we want to continue using it, we need to talk about the reason why you need it, and then we will set up for example, a dedicated environment for you, or maybe there is already an environment. So really, we are not right. trying to stop anyone from doing anything, but rather having that discussion around, we want to encourage you to do what you're doing, because maybe you're doing really good work and that shouldn't stop. But we also need to make sure that, again, things are just overall better managed. And that's where we come in, basically, just to make sure that the makers understand it, but also then that they uh, yeah <laughs> don't get that feeling IT is controlling us again and restricting us, as is often the case. So, yeah, um, we're trying to be as, how do you call that, as positive as possible around it. Yeah.
1: And uh, do any of your operating companies use Microsoft partners as well to supplement their skills and, and build maybe some of the more mission critical applications? How do you play with those partners if they're working outside your organization?
0: Yeah. So there are sometimes smaller bits and pieces, but we are trying to work towards something like, a, again, a standard overall so it might be that has to be reviewed basically how we're gonna proceed with it overall um again thinking about yes if a smaller part uh, a smaller operating company for example does with a partner they might be doing quite well with it but then others don't have anything so how can we support those that don't have any partner run right now so right. yes there's a lot that we are currently preparing for and making sure then that this gets i call the term i say the term managed quite often right now during the call but yeah that's really part of it again as well that just making sure that any kind of engagement is within our guardrails, but also making sure then, again, that things don't get just suddenly stopped and uh, blocked.
1: I don't want to give away too many trade (laughs) secrets, but are there any really interesting applications you've seen inside WPP that you can give us a sense of some of the innovation that you've seen with makers out there?
0: That's one thing that we're trying to do right now, figure out really what are the really good things that have been done so far, and then basically creating a... Well, it's often called an app catalog or a a showcase, basically, of, hey, what's awesome within our company? What has been done by whom? And displaying that the business case, why was it done? Showcasing then maybe screenshots or videos of the app, etc. What we have uh, mostly, you could say, the professionally built apps. Obviously, there are some that are really good. And um, without going in detail, actually, there are some that were really built for very specific purposes where it became clear that there's no general app out there that can support what is to be done but those apps have become you could say in a way mission critical and um, I know that other teams are also building some mission critical apps for example together with Microsoft support or guidance right now that's around for example the internal IT space just again mentioning the scope of 10 tenants so there are teams that are responsible for managing a whole lot of stuff across those 10 tenants and making sure that in the future, things will become easier, and they're also building great stuff. Sadly, I cannot go into detail for those, but um, those are basically the professionally built ones. For yeah, citizen develop developed ones. So I've seen some uh, again very nice things coming from uh, to a good amount again from the it's called it the data driven teams or the tech teams right. basically then to really try to again solve specific issues. So sometimes that meant, for example, that they. Had uh, let's call them uh, something like an Excel spreadsheet where somebody just had to enter some uh, values to specific fields and then some uh, basically has, let's call it a long text gets generated based on the input. So basically, a long ID needs required, and that's the simple term. The tricky term is obviously that this means that um, there's a whole lot more behind it in terms of where does do the values for those text inputs, for example, come from because that ideally should be dynamic, that kind of thing, and um, what I've seen yeah. is basically that they built that in a smart way because there was existing data in a SQL server. And they just simply said, put a power app on top so that the app can connect to the SQL server, dynamically then show um, the, basically the content for those drop down. so that when you generate your ID, you've got it all basically up to date. And with the Excel spreadsheet that meant, oh, they had to update the spreadsheet and people had to use the latest version. And um, you get the idea. It's one of those cases where you think, yes, that's actually a very nice solution for a power app where... Um, you surface something from somewhere that's already there and uh, you improve it a lot by replacing some other bits and pieces that was, uh, yeah, not yeah. the best technical solution. And we know Excel is often the first thing that people start using, but once you come to, we need to maintain that spreadsheet and everybody should use one spreadsheet only, and uh, then it becomes a nightmare. Yeah. But that's one of the other cases.
1: Speaking of, uh, of data sources. Do you see a wide variety of of data sources underneath the Power Apps? You know, Excel lists, SharePoint, Azure SQL, DataVerse. Do you have a whole portfolio of different data sources underneath your applications, or are you enforcing a standard? Where's the direction you think your teams are headed?
0: We just did actually a very recent analysis of the most of all connectors that are in use in two of our biggest tenants. And we are trying to get the idea from across all tenants over time as well. But right now, just the two biggest story gave us very good insights. And just looking at those connectors that I use very often, we could see, obviously, SharePoint is, I think, the most popular connector because, I mean, very often people start with some data in SharePoint and then build an app on right. top of it. So obviously not a big surprise there. But then uh, other data sources were also then SQL Server, so a decent amount of usage. And while that meant that um, it's something that obviously comes from the data-driven teams, again, is my assumption mostly. So it's something where we know, okay, there's definitely some data that is quite helpful to them and they want to use it. So not really surprising either. Dataverse is the one that obviously we want people to start using overall and probably start using SharePoint less over time. But that will also require more a bit more education as well then. And, um it also meant, for example, that a lot of it was just built so far. For example, again, on SharePoint, maybe we don't want them to move off SharePoint right away. Maybe we say that we focus first on building the new stuff on Dataverse and maybe slowly phase yeah. out some SharePoint things that should be in Dataverse better. But yeah, so Dataverse is something we see a bit, but not as much as uh, yeah, ideally wanted by us and others as well. Yeah, okay. Interesting. Another data source, yes, so Azure, I've seen a whole lot of them, so Azure plop storage, Azure table storage, I think I've seen um and oh then obviously a lot of other smaller separate data sources <laughs> that are getting looked at. I can't even remember them right now, but basically when you go through the connector list, you see ah oh, ten apps and flows are using uh, something that you didn't even know that people are using, but okay, um, we know that there might be just some data there for very specific reasons so. Yeah, the usual standard data sources are there, but a lot of others as well. And coming back to the question, do we standardize it? Again, I think we will try to put in some guidance around Dataverse because I think that might be the best option as a sort of a standard connector moving forward for data, especially now that I've seen now with Mm. the virtual tables. I mean, that offers some new opportunities as well. But that's a big separate story, obviously. But yeah. we're not going to enforce data versus a standard or anything like that because we know that, again, as mentioned, um, data is in a lot of different places where it is currently residing and uh, where it might actually already be used by other systems as well. So obviously, if you say don't use data source X, that might mean then that the team says, but that's where all our other systems connect to. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You mentioned virtual tables. Are there any other new or emerging features that you're really excited about that you've seen the product team release recently that you'd love to exploit more?
0: I Well, there's always so many things that uh, come out, so it's hard to remember which one was the one that I liked the most recently or was m- most excited about. But just this week, I think, or end of last week, there was an announcement that there are new controls for um, basically the new Fluent UI controls or components basically available. So I haven't looked at them yet. I want to look at them when I've got some time, but that sounded like something where I think it would be quite, quite nice to have some, let's call it good looking controls basically in our apps, obviously. Um, Not that I complain about what we have right now, but something nicer looking is always something that users also appreciate more in a way.
1: That's definitely a bias I have. I've spent most of my career working with model driven apps and the UI flexibility really isn't there. There's just built-in controls and that's it. Canvas app makers have had a rich canvas (laughs) to build their apps upon and they can really go to town with their own custom UI. And and sometimes that's great and that's what you need. Other times, those app makers aren't always UI designers. And I think this trend towards giving them more components that are easier to deploy, easier to drop onto your canvas, will bring together model and canvas apps a lot more tightly. We've got custom pages and there's just the two worlds are converging it's really exciting to see that
0: yeah yeah i mean that's quite exciting i mean i've seen a case in the company where one somebody said i've got actually power bi um, dashboard and then i created an app that i embed in that uh, dashboard and based on what i do in the app then there are also some changes in the dashboard and overall that having not just basically bits and pieces here and there but rather connecting all of them uh, um, to make something even better even more useful i mean that's really really exciting
1: very cool um, and if you had your wish, and you could direct the product teams at Microsoft to work on something that you think has been missing for far too long, what do you think that would be? <laughs> Anything you'd really love? The uh, I don't know how many of the product team are listening, but what should they work on next? Um,
0: there were always a few things. I mean, what I usually wanted to get a better or an easier way what, was always licensing. Luckily for large companies, ours—I don't want to say—licensing thing is, is not an issue. We're still obviously dealing with things, but it has become easier, I would say, over time. Then great. Not everybody says that, so I'm. I'm... <laughs> not really. I mean, not directly to the product itself, right? Related in a way, but licenses are always people. As always, it's always something people figure out: how many licenses do I need? How do I license? What's the best way to license, etc. But I see that with, for example, the pace you go licensing that's just appeared also then i think yeah there are things happening that i think make it easier than for um, especially small and medium organizations and to figure out basically um, how do we get started with something without over allocating or just making sure then that we get what we need basically and what was the other thing i mean overall i think i kept mentioning the manage and governance aspect so often and uh, And what I'm really looking forward to are all the enhancements to the COE, but also having hopefully then more stuff within the Power Platform admin center directly. So uh, there are lots of aspects where I think sometimes the management aspects of things could be better, getting a better overview of what is where, for example, or better insights into things. Um, That's always something that can be improved from a, again, from a, tenant kind point of view, basically. I mean, um, we see things like, oh, we don't want to do things 10, th- uh, things ten times, but rather ideally we want to see, do it one time and then uh, push it out uh, or something like that. Yeah. yeah, so that's basically something that we're also having discussions with Microsoft with separately, obviously. But yeah, um, there are ways of lots of things that can be improved.
1: So my understanding of the Center of Excellence was that it was developed by the PowerCat team who are working with enterprise customers to help them adopt and then control and govern Power Platform, it's a separate toolkit. You can choose to optionally install that into your environments. But I'm uh, hoping that the Power Platform admin team who are looking at the Power Platform admin center are looking at the success of that and the popularity of it and saying, oh, we need to bring some of those capabilities back into the um, admin center because everybody should be having these features enabled rather than just making it an option you have to go and find a toolkit and deploy it and learn how it all works so maybe we'll see that come together in the roadmap in the future i hope so if julie strauss my friend julie is listening at microsoft (laughs) that'd be a good one julie to to put in your backlog renee i'd love to know what's the power platform community like in singapore and you know you're obviously not from singapore originally i I don't think so tell us about your journey to get to (laughs) singapore and what's the power platform experience like over there
0: so I'm originally from Germany, and I studied in Germany and thought I'm going to start working in Germany after my studies. But as part of that, those studies, I had to do an internship for six months somewhere. And I decided to go somewhere a bit more exotic, somewhere that's a bit different from Germany and a bit different from Europe, you could say. And I thought, hey, um, like I said, I want to go somewhere more exotic, but again, not too exotic. And somehow I found Singapore where I thought, hey, it's in Asia, it's sort of That exotic part, but it's not too exotic because people speak (laughs) English here. So I should be, yeah, um, able to find my way around here. So and yeah, I came here. Had initially the culture shock, but then I started to love it here. So that meant then, after my internship ended, I went back to Germany. Sort of quickly finished my studies and just came back here again. uh, Wow! Great. Started working here. I thought, as long as I like it here, I'm just going to stay here. And uh, yeah, <laughs> things didn't really change much. So I still like it here. Married two kids, um, completely I don't know, integrated here, not planning to go anywhere else. And while I've been away for three years in Switzerland, in between with my wife, ideas obviously are yeah, we going to stay here in Singapore? And it also meant then, while I was here, because I'm here, then obviously I started to look at. Um, Initially, the SharePoint community here, because as mentioned, my background was in SharePoint, started to attend user group here and at some point also present. And yeah, that meant basically I'm doing more stuff over time then as well, like uh, speaking not just at the user group, but also started suddenly speaking at conferences and uh, writing more blog posts and those kind of things and um, helping out in forums 10 years ago. And that meant that 2012, then I got my first MVP award. So that was for... (laughs) Office 365. And um, the name changed over time. So, right now it's Office Apps and Services, but yeah, basically still for the Office 365 part. But my community activities obviously then also meant that I'm not just doing SharePoint that evolved over time into Office 365. But because, I mean, whatever I do at work is something that I like to share with others. So, learnings, those kind of things and um, experiences. And that now also involved the Power Platform a good amount. What we have here in terms of power platform community, so we've got actually a user group here, a very large one, actually. We're still under one big umbrella, more or less. Right. But yeah, we've got a nice community overall for Microsoft, where us MVPs get together, organize things, and we've also got then our power platform community organized by one of the other um, power platform MVPs, or so business MV- MVPs, I would actually say more specifically, Yeah, like I said, they have monthly events. We had recently our, what's it called, our Global Power Platform Bootcamp, I think was the official name. Sadly, everything right now is still online, but we're hoping to move back into in-person events soon. So that's just now, you could say possible again, officially. But the idea is then that we yeah hopefully hold our in-person user group events again in the upcoming months.
1: We've got our local Queensland business applications user group tomorrow evening, and it's in-person. I think it's the first one this year. Very exciting to get back together. Yeah. But towards the end of last year, we tried to do in-person, and then the restrictions clamped on, opened up, clamped on. It's a bit of a stop and start. We're all looking forward to getting back in-person, yeah. I think.
0: Yeah. So yeah, in-person is really something really long for here.
1: And where can people find and follow your content on social media? For those who can't get to a local user group in Singapore, how can they engage with you?
0: So easiest way is to just find my um, last name, Modery, M-O-D-E-R-Y, because there aren't too many Moderies around. Um, I'm the most prominent, you could say. So I'm on Twitter, twitter.com slash Moderies. LinkedIn, uh, if you look for Modery, it's quite easy to find me there. And Great.
1: Fantastic. Uh, Renee i I've really been fascinated by the story of WPP and your adoption of the Power Platform. Uh, René, thank you so much for joining me on the Amazing Application Show today. It's been a privilege. Thanks for joining us. Yeah,
0: thank you very much. It a pleasure.
1: Thanks so much for listening to the Amazing Apps Podcast. You can join the show's mailing list at amazingapps.show. You'll get a personalized welcome video from yours truly and a notification when there's a new episode available. There are also shortcuts so you can follow the show on all major podcast players. And you can follow Amazing Apps Show on Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. You can send me a message or a voicemail if you'd like your question answered on a future episode and even support the show through Buy Me A Coffee or by buying an Amazing Apps t-shirt. Visit amazingapps.show. Thanks again for listening. I really appreciate you. Until next time, take care and keep sprinting. I'm not the one